Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning and Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Big thank you to Laura, and as always, it's great to have you here, Brett. It's always a good time. Um, it, it's, it feels weird being in 2023. I was just having a conversation outside. It, I just don't find that number to be aesthetically pleasing. I don't know why. It feels like it's like a 1980s film is talking about the future. Like in 2023, there's going to be hover cars and all that stuff. In, in my head, I still feel like we're kind of in like 2020 still. I don't know why. It just feels like we're still super stuck uh, in 2020, but I hope everyone had a fun and safe night last night. I hope everyone's had a wonderful Christmas, wonderful holiday so far. Um, as I looked back on 2022, it, it was a, a decently big year for me and my family, but it really wasn't huge. Some little milestones where I turned 30 last year um, with only a small existential crisis, very small, so we, we survived it. Um, my wife and I celebrated our third year of marriage, which felt Say thank you, thank you, which felt significant. Um, our first two were kind of COVID-y, which COVID's still around, but it, this one felt a little more like, hey, it's just you and me. It's not you and me against the world. It's just you and me, um, and it was a great year. We, we, we moved into a house, um, which has just been fantastic and able to do it. Um, as I was looking through some old photos and just kind of reminiscing about 2022, I found in like the notes section of your iPhone, or if, you have, if your phone has notes, um, I found like my old New Year's resolutions, and I was like, oh, I'm curious about like, how good I do. Did I crush it? Maybe I didn't. And some of them were pretty basic. They were like, get in better shape, which apparently is what 96% of Americans put. Like there was an actual poll and it was 96%. Um, I don't know if that means we're health conscious or just not health conscious, but either way, most of us probably put that down. Um, another one was to read more books. And I'm proud to say that I read six books last year, which, thank you, six more than the year before. <laughs> so... We did great. Um, we're probably going to peak at six. Um, but my favorite New Year's resolution I found for myself was, um, I looked at it, 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 just one word. It just said geography. And that could maybe be interpreted as like travel. No, 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 that's not what I meant. I just meant the concept of geography. Get better. <laughs> um, I, I think I'm personable, and I think I have a gift to get to know people and remember things. I can remember your name. I can remember your grandfather's name. I can remember where you're from, the town, your favorite deli in that town, but I have no idea where it is. I got no idea. I don't know why. It's just not how my brain works. Like, you put me on a globe empty, and I'm just lost. I remember printing off dozens of sheets of, like, empty uh, maps of the U.S. and of the world. And I was thinking daily, I would like fill in a couple states here, try to remember and quiz myself, do a couple of countries, do it and quiz myself. And I had like, I probably have a hundred of these. And I just found them in my office and they are all blank. <laughs> they are all completely blank. So I did not do well with geography. Um, but as I was also thinking about 2022 and just thinking back on it, did I achieve everything I wanted to? Um, I couldn't help but think, obviously, about the new year in 2023 and looking forward. And one thing, one conclusion I gave for myself was um, I'm a very goal-oriented person. I'm very task-oriented. I love, I get this crazy euphoria when I get to just check a box. I'm like, dish is done, check. Um, and part of that's probably because some of being a pastor is a lot of, like, not object things. You don't get to like check a box or do things, but I love checking a box. But I found that in previous years when I have too many things, it becomes saturated, it becomes diluted, and I start not really putting a ton of focus on things. Like I read six more books than I do geography, 
whatever that conversion chart is. I did more geography than, re- or I did more reading than geography. Um, things start falling towards the wayside, and I would like to think that I'm in better shape now than I was a year ago, but also I probably didn't super achieve that goal as much as I wanted to. So this year, I decided I'm gonna give myself one goal. One thing, one foremost preeminent thing that's going to basically funnel the rest of this year into. That if I am having a crazy week, a crazy day, a crazy, whatever is going on, whatever insanity is, is behooving me in the moment, I am going to take time to do this, this thing. It's going to have time no matter what. And the reason I'm talking about this is because I think it would be crucial and vital for every single person in this room to make this, if not the most important thing in your year, one of the most important things in your year. I think this is vital. I think it's critical to our health, to our happiness, to our joy. And I think it's biblical. I think it's scriptural. And that thing, of course, I'm talking about is rest. I see some surprised faces. I was going for that. (laughs) I think that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about rest. I want to talk about taking time and being and resting. Now, like most things, there's a catch. When I say resting, my, I am not suggesting necessarily more naps. I'm not necessarily suggesting binge that new Netflix show. Fingers crossed Ted Lasso season three. Coming soon. I sure hope, and I will be binging it. Um, but the rest, the rest we're going to talk about sort of this morning is not going to be things that maybe at face value we think would give us rest. My hope is that as we walk through some stuff, walk through some scripture, walk through some ideas, we're going to say, oh, I actually want to put my trust in that, that that will provide me rest. So that's what I'd like to talk about this morning. Rest is absolutely vital. I mean, why is it so important? We can start with the first most basic answer. We're tired. (laughs) We're tired. Especially in LA in 2023, we are tired. It's been a long couple years. We have a lot going on. Our lives are chaotic. Our lives are crazy. They're in a frenzy. Money's tight. Politics are crazy. The world, Ukraine, there's so much going on. There's so much to add chaos and stress and anxiety and things in our lives. We're just stressed. Is there anybody here who wouldn't take a little more rest in their day? Is there anybody who says, no, I've, I've, I'm, I'm, I'm rested enough. I'm done. I don't need any, I don't need any more. We need rest. When we're not rested, when we're tired, we're exhausted, we're prone to be less present with others. We're prone to probably be more frustrated, more anxious, more stressed, less motivated to do our daily tasks. We're stressed. Lots of moments for that. Even when we have days off, we still get filled with tasks we should be doing. I should do the dishes. I should go for a walk. Maybe I should exercise. Now I feel bad that I didn't exercise. I should probably read a book. I should call my friend. I can email. We have so many things we can constantly be doing. And we don't feel like we get that rest. We feel agitated, stressed. But if we get the right rest, if we feel rested, right, we start feeling the inverse of those things. We start feeling content. We start feeling present with people. We start feeling motivated. We start feeling good, healthier, happier. Rest is a big, big deal. So much so that if you were just to give a stranger a Bible who's never read it before and they started reading, one of the very first things they'd come to is this idea of rest. The beginning of chapter 2 of the entire Bible, Genesis 2, starts with God resting on the seventh day. God's working six days, creating everything, working tirelessly hard, and then resting. Now, I'm a firm believer that God doesn't get tired. I'm a firm believer that he didn't get tired, he wasn't exhausted, he didn't need to rest. But he's showing us an example of what's healthy, of what we should do. God looks at the six days he's done, and he goes, hey, 
I'm gonna sit and reflect on what I've just done. I'm gonna be present in this moment and I'm just gonna sit and rest. He's given us an example of what we ought to do in our days. To take time, step away of the craziness of the world and actually just be present in the moment and reflect on what's been going on. God took this so seriously that he ended up giving in the Old Testament a command to Sabbath. Sabbath being this holy seventh day that, sorry to most conventional Christianity, is probably actually Saturday. Um, we think Sunday is this holy day, but it's probably for the Jewish customs more Saturday. But it was a command to take time away, to rest. And I think the word command, especially in the Old Testament, for a lot of us, me too, we can kind of start clenching up when we hear the word command. We can start feeling a little tight, feeling like, ugh, here comes authoritarian, bossy God, which, for the record, God has every right to be. But, like most of his commands that maybe we don't understand at first, they are 100% and unequivocally for our own benefit, for our own joy, for our own well-being. God knows, God knew thousands of years ago, 2,000 years ago, he knew people were gonna be busy. He knew the world was gonna flood down on them. Even more so now, the world is coming down. We have constant stuff going on. God knew this was going to happen, so he's like, please, take a day. I'm commanding you, take a day. To get away from everything, do nothing. Rest, sit, be, just be with me, be present. But the Sabbath was never meant to be, this rest was never supposed to be something religious and liturgical. It was never supposed to become this practice that you did dead. It was meant to be something that was supposed to serve you. Jesus clear, clarifies this later in one of the, he clarifies it in each gospel, but he will work on the Sabbath and the Pharisees, the religious leaders will say, hey, Jesus, you're the son of God, what are you doing, man? You can't be doing that, it's the Sabbath. And as Jesus does often, he drops the mic and flips the script on its head, and he's like, actually, man was not made for the Sabbath, but Sabbath was made for the man. It was meant to be a tool, a gift, a way to reinvigorate, to excite, to rest, to be prepared, to look back on what you've done and give it to God and then look forward. The Sabbath was meant to serve you. We are commanded it is important to rest. Jesus, not necessarily on a Sabbath, but he takes rest very seriously. He says this in the book of Mark chapter one. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he, Jesus, departed and went out to a desolate place and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him and they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go on to the next town that I may preach there also, for that is why I came. And he went throughout all of Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Now, it says that Jesus woke up early and went to a desolate place and prayed. But in the Greek, and it says that several times throughout, throughout the, new, um, the Gospels, it sounds like in English he, he does it this one time, but in Greek, it's very continual. He is waking up early often, he is going to desolate places, and he is praying. He is constantly going out of his way to find time to just be away from everyone. And I love this because some of you are extremely busy, I think Grant Williams is the, most, is the busiest person I have ever encountered. <laughs> but I don't care how busy you are. You weren't more busy than Jesus. You weren't more busy than he is. You may be the best at managing time ever, but you're not better at managing time than Jesus. You may be incredible at loving people. You may be one of the best people on planet Earth at loving people, but I guarantee you, you weren't better at loving people than Jesus. And yet he still takes the time out of his busy day while people are looking for him and says, no, I need to take time aside. I need to step away. I need to go to a quiet place. I need to be with the Father. 
I get filled with tons of anxiety and stress when I try and do that. I think, oh, what if there's an emergency? What if my wife needs me? What if people at the church need me? What if there's this? What if there's that? I could be doing extra work. It is difficult to step aside. It is difficult. But even God in human form, <laughs> the creator of the universe said, hey, this stuff is important. Healing people is important, but I'm actually gonna take a moment to step aside and just be away and rest. And then immediately after he does that, he's like, great, let's go. Let's move on to the next town. Let's keep doing this. It invigorates him. It gets him ready to go, to spend time with the Father. But as we're gonna go on, rest is not necessarily, as we said, just napping and watching Netflix and all that stuff. Resting is going to be some more of these practices, these practices that get us close to Jesus. Because unfortunately, the source of rest is not sleep. The source of rest is not turning your brain off. The source of rest is not TV, it's not books. That's not the source of rest. Those are tools, but they're not the source. The source of rest is actually God himself. He is the source of rest. Jesus says this in Matthew 11, very famous passage. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to me. Come to me, all who are burdened, and I'm gonna give you rest. I promise you, I'm gonna give you rest. He doesn't say all of you who have, are exhausted and tired, go play video games. He doesn't say all of you who are exhausted, go nap more. Now please, I wanna make this very clear. Those things are good. <laughs> There's a time and a place to rest and to nap and to refill your body. Those are things given by God. I am not saying don't do those things. What I'm saying is true rest, this genuine rest, is in the presence of Jesus. It's in the presence of God. He is there ready to take it on. Uh, he says his yoke is easy. Yoke is an interesting word. Um, we most often associate it, and I think correctly, with that big wooden like sort of tool thing that you'd either put on your back or you put it on like a goat or a yak or something, and it would carry something. So Jesus is saying, hey, this big yoke, this big tool he's using is easy. Keep throwing stuff on him. Just throw it on him. He can handle it. Do it. But yoke is also a term used, especially in Jewish culture, for, um, it just generally means your style of teaching, your rule book, your, your stuff that you want people to know. Your teachings are called a yoke. And so in a way, Jesus is also saying, my yoke is easy, my way of teaching is made to offer you levity. It is made to offer you comfort. It is made, my teachings, my ideas, my ideologies, the way I'm asking you to live is actually made to make things better, lighter, more comfortable. Now, that doesn't mean that doing these things will mean bad things won't happen. It doesn't mean that awful things won't happen. It doesn't mean you won't lose your job. It doesn't mean you won't have health scares. It doesn't mean these things won't happen. But what Jesus is saying is when those things happen, his teachings, the way he's taught you to live with those is going to be better with his teachings. It will be lighter. It will be nicer. It will be more content. And when things get too out of hand, things get too troubled, toss it on him. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. You have never done anything. You can never possibly do anything that would make God so disgusted or so appalled by you that he wouldn't accept you with open arms. No matter what you're going through, no matter what's happening, no matter how bad you feel you may be or how ashamed you may be, God and Jesus are just dying for you to sit by their side and talk with them. To lay in the lap of Jesus with your head up and just, and Jesus is just gonna go, hey, what's on your mind? What's going on? I got all day, let's talk. They want Jesus and God want to give rest. I don't have it on the screen, but most of us know Psalm 23. 
The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Old Testament through the New Testament, through the beginning of time to the end of time, God has wanted to give us rest, to give us comfort. In the Old Testament, they often saw heaven as this dwelling place. This word dwelling is a place of perfect comfort and peace and rest. God is, we do not have God who oppresses or suppresses. We have a God who doesn't take away joy, take away energy. We have a God who gives it. We have a God who offers love and comfort and stability. That one common thread that when your life goes crazy, it's still there to find rest and love and enjoy him. Now, it's possible that some of you feel like I'm asking you to primarily just work on your faith with a reward in mind with an ulterior motive, and I think that that's a safe assumption or a safe thing to look out for. But I would also like to point all of our eyes, unfortunately it's not on the screen, but I will say it, to Hebrews 11.6. Hebrews 11.6 tells us that one of the, there's two things that define your faith. Two things, the way that, how we have faith and how we please God. The first is to know that God exists. We have to believe that God exists. And the second thing is to trust that he rewards those who seek him. That is one of the definitions of faith. Know that God exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And that's the New Testament. The Old Testament, Psalm 16, says that there is joy to the fullest with God. In his presence is absolute, unequivocal, perfect joy, and at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. So much of our faith is reward-driven, and the reward itself is God. God wants us to come to him, and the reward is him. The reward is his presence, his contentment, his joy. Finding rest is important in our chaotic world, and the best place to find it is in God, is in Jesus himself, to be honest and to, and to approach him. I wanted to sort of finalize and end this with giving us, um, just kind of to anyone who would like it, some, some tips and practices on how we can actually approach this rest and how we do it. Because sometimes, please hear me say, I want to double down. Sometimes it's napping. Sometimes it's napping. Sometimes it is watching a show. Sometimes it is playing video games. Sometimes it is those things. But there's a lot of things. There's some spiritual disciplines that at first may not seem like they're restful, but they, I assure you, they are. And I'm gonna give you four. I'm gonna give four. These are kind of inward spiritual practices. Inward being you sort of do them with yourself, to yourself. Um, uh, the first one's prayer. The second one is meditation. The third one is study, and the fourth one is fasting. And so prayer being, for most of us, right, just communicating with God, talking with him, being with him. Um, prayer um, was so important to the theologian Martin Luther, who if people don't know Martin Luther, he was like a 15th, 16th century um, Catholic priest at one point, and he ended up leaving Catholicism because he was like, this doesn't make a lot of sense. I don't understand. By their rules, I'm never going to be saved, and I can never know. Then he started reading the Bible, and he got outraged and nailed the 95 theses to the wall and started kind of, started this explosion that we call the Reformation in our faith. And he said this about prayer. It's a quick quote. I know it most. I have so much to do 
that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. I love that quote. Most of us, when things get busy, we start tossing things aside. Martin Luther here says he has so much to do that he's actually gonna spend more time in prayer. The more he has to do, the busier he is, the more prayer he does, not the less, the more. We learned it, we just talked about it with Jesus from Mark 1. Desolate places, wakes up and he goes and he prays. Prayer is our chance to communicate and talk with God. Prayer, I would encourage you, um, a couple elements of prayer that I think would be helpful, because I, a lot of us, especially, I mean, I went to seminary, and there were still people in there being like, what is praying? How do I do it? What, what does it look like? And so I'm still one of those people that's still contemplating what prayer exactly is, but one encouragement I would have for you is to find a place. Jesus goes to a desolate place. A lot of us don't have that freedom, especially not in this big city, to go to a desolate place, but I would encourage you to find a place. That could be your car. could be a room in your house. could be a chair. It could be that empty cubicle in your office. It could be the third floor bathroom that no one uses. Whatever it may be, find, it, find, find something that you can enter into and sort of enter into the space of prayer. I would also encourage you to sort of, if you can, add a time element. Jesus woke up early and went to the desolate place. I think he woke up early because that's when the least distractions are. Um, I'm gonna quote John Anthony, who goes here, but he quotes someone else, but I don't know who he quotes, so I'm gonna quote John Anthony. Um, <laughs> and he says, uh, no one can take away 5 a.m. from you. And if you don't know John Anthony's morning routine, you should talk to him because it is inspiring. <laughs> he gets up and goes for this big run, works out, does his quiet time all before like 6 a.m., and then he like makes coffee and food for his family, and then no matter what happens in his day, he's got his exercise and he's got his quiet time. Um, and so some of us, that's not easy in our schedules. Maybe really early isn't good for you. Possibly really late. Everyone's gone to sleep and you have your time. Maybe really late's not good. Maybe you just need something. Set an alarm on your phone for 12:13. When it goes off, just say, thank you, God, and turn it off. We don't need to start off incredible. We don't need to start off crushing. We can just start off with something small. Every good sermon could use Confucius. And Confucius says, the journey of a thousand miles starts with one step. One step. God loves that we make an effort. I think God, I've said this a lot of times, and I love, I, I'm going to keep saying it. I think God, we think God is much more disappointed than he actually is. He loves him. We just try a little bit. But praying is important. It's a big deal to be with him. Um, if you maybe don't necessarily exactly know how to pray, I learned something in middle school, and I still do it to this day. Um, it's the acronym ACTS, A-C-T-S. Um, the A stands for adoration. Um, just spend some time saying, God, you're amazing. God, you created the universe. You hold time in your hand. You sent your son. <laughs> God, you're too cool. The C stands for confession. God, I'm sorry I got angry at my family. God, I'm sorry I looked at him or her lustfully. God, I'm sorry I lied at work. God, I'm sorry I don't feel like I have the faith I should. God, I feel like I'm dry. Why do I feel dry? God, I'm sorry. The T stands for thanksgiving. Thanks, God. Thanks for another day. Thanks for another year. Thanks for family. Thanks for grandkids. Thanks for dogs. Thanks for books. God, thank you. And the S stands for stuff. And when I was a kid, that meant Xboxes and more video games and lacrosse stuff. Now that I'm super mature. <laughs> stuff is things like 
God, I hope I get the promotion. Because we've already talked about this. God wants to reward those who seek him. He wants to reward you. It may not necessarily come in the way we want, but he wants to reward you. So S is for stuff. God, help me get the promotion. God, help my friend. They're not feeling great. God, help my faith. I want it to be stronger. God, my aunt has cancer. Please be with her. We ask for stuff. Prayer, find a place, find a time. And again, it could be something super small. It could be once a, you set an alarm for just every Wednesday at two. That's it, something. The second one's meditation. If, if prayer is communicating, meditation's the other side of it, and it's more quiet and silence. Um, prayer is most often, to most of us, including myself, to be a talking thing, talking, talk, God this, God that, God, God, God. Um, I had a seminary class one time where a professor just looked at me, and we, it was part of the class, and he just started peppering me with questions and comments and peppering, peppering, peppering. And then after it, he walked away. And I was like, that was exhausting. And he's like, that's kind of what prayer is. <laughs> we just kind of pepper God with thoughts and questions and good stuff. And then he's like, we need also that time to sit and just be and listen to him. And just try and sit quietly and meditate. Um, I've given this meditation practice before, but something that I do comes from a book called Celebration of Discipline where you sit comfortably, put your hands palm down like this, and you just let your thoughts run. You're gonna have thousands of thoughts, just let them run. Dishwasher, did I do that? Should I do this? Just let them run. Then after you feel like they're kind of gone a little bit, you flip your hands over in a posture of receiving, and you just try your best to just sit quietly. If your thoughts keep running, that's okay. Don't get frustrated. Just sit and try and receive. I think we can intangibly receive tons of stuff from the Holy Spirit. Whether we know it or not, whether we feel it in that moment, it can still affect us. The Holy Spirit knows our heart, our souls better than we could ever know. Deeper than groaning, deeper than our words, deeper than anything can describe, the Holy Spirit knows us. So meditation just gives time to be that way. I'm hoping for me for prayer and meditation. I haven't done this, but I'm hoping to. I've started just kind of walking around my neighborhood. I'm hoping for myself just to find like a bench, just something that I can walk to, sit down, pray, and walk away. Something three minutes away. In my perfect world, I would try and do it sometime right before sunrise, walk there, pray during the sunrise, and walk home. Again, I don't know if I'll be able to do that, but that's something that I aspire to do. The third one is study. Now, study definitely at first glance does not seem like it would be restful. It doesn't seem like it would provide something good. Studying here being just reading scripture, reading it, trying to understand it, working with God. Um, Hudson Taylor was another famous missionary. He was a British missionary in, um, he did missions work in China. He was known to be a very considerate man who loved the culture, would try and do best he could to acclimate to their culture. He learned three of the Chinese languages, including Mandarin. He would try and give sermons and speeches and things in their language. Um, His son, right, tells a story of some of their travels. His son says this about his dad, Hudson Taylor. It was not easy for Mr. Taylor in his changeful life to make time for prayer and Bible study, but he knew that it was vital. Well do the writers remember traveling with him month after month in northern China by cart and wheelbarrow with the poorest of inns at night. Often with only one large room for locals and travelers alike, they would screen off a corner for their father and another for themselves with curtains of some sort. And then after sleep had at last, or at last had brought a measure of quiet, they would hear a match struck and seek the flicker of candlelight which told that Mr. Taylor, however weary, was poring over the little Bible in two volumes always at hand. From 2 to 4 a.m. was the time he usually gave to prayer, the time when he could be most sure of being undisturbed to wait upon God. The flicker of candlelight has meant more to them than all they have read or heard on on secret prayer. It meant reality, not preaching, but practice. Hudson Taylor said, you know what's really restful? is sleep. But I actually think 
pouring through my Bible and reading, it was actually more restful than the actual sleep. He chose to get re-energized, reinvigorated after being, sitting on wheelbarrows, next, they, often they'll say he was next to pigs, and he'd be on these wheelbarrows for hours at a time, and he's still preaching the gospel to people as he's going by, he's trying to be loving, and he'd get to these inns, and everyone's finally get to sleep, and he just goes, Shh. opens up his Bible, starts reading. Another place that we get to interact with God, the source of this rest, the source of this joy, the source of this comfort. I know the Bible can be daunting to a lot of us. It's daunting to me. It's not always the most fun to read. It's not always the most fun. We don't necessarily find a ton of rest in it. Um, I would encourage you, um, when you're reading the Bible, uh, this is a practice I've taken up, find a passage, whether it's a verse, two verses, an entire chapter, whatever it may be, find a passage that you just you just lights you up. That when, Every time you read it, you're like, that's right. God loves me. I'm loved by God. Let's go. Take on the world. I got it. I got God by my side. Whatever that may be. For me, it's Romans 8, which is a long chapter, but for me, the, the language is just full of emotional, energetic, encouraging messages about how much God loves us. Keep that passage always on your mind. Then I would encourage you, whenever you want to read or study the Bible, just open it up to a book. Start at the beginning and read it. Read it for fun. Read it like it's a book for school. Read it like you're trying to get to know the characters. Read it like you're trying to understand what God's doing. Try and read it. See what's going on. See what's going on in that passage. The Bible is full of things that are confusing, complicated, challenging, scary sometimes. I've been scared while reading the Bible. When those moments happen, when you come across something that maybe shocks you or scares you or makes you nervous or challenged, then I would encourage you to end that study session with that passage you love. A re-reminder, that's right, this book is about that God that loves me. When I read something, or maybe I'll read the Levitical laws and I start getting a little stressed at how many laws there were and why God would give people so many laws. If I'm reading, I'm trying to understand. And I go back and I read Romans 8, I'm like, he loves us. He loves those people in Leviticus the same way and all of these commands, all these things are because he loves us. So I'd encourage you, read scripture in the times that get challenging. And again, this stuff could be small. Read one verse a week. Start small. It's great. God loves it. Start small. The fourth one is fasting, um, which probably is the most, uh, probably nerve-wracking to a lot of people. Um, the last one, study, we said you should give up, Hudson Taylor says give up sleep to even study. How I'm saying give up food. <laughs> and this will be restful. Don't sleep or eat and you'll be super energized. I promise. It's great. But fasting um, is, is just another way to get interactive with God, to get close with God, to practice to be in his presence. Um, I don't have it on the screen because it was kind of long, but I'll read it pretty fast. Isaiah chapter 58. There's lots of things in scripture about fasting. This is kind of a list, an idea God is talking about. Yahweh is talking about some of the do's and don'ts about fasting. But here I want you to listen to the language, what it feels like, what God promises when you fast, what God talks about here. I want you to hear this. This is God talking. Is, it, is not this the fast that I chose to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into the house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? 
Then shall your light break the dawn, and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, Here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday, and the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. He shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt and shall rise up the foundations of many generations. And you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. Restore, repair, rise up foundations, rebuilt waters that won't fail, spring up like a garden. This is talking about fasting. This is talking about giving up food and we are promised still by God over and over and over. If you do these things, I'm gonna rebuild you stronger than ever. This is for your good. This is for your energy. This is for your life. Fasting is another way to get close to God. I, I've done it for a while, but I, I, I intermittent fast. Um, and so that can be a lot of different ways. What I do is I try not to eat from 9 p.m. the night before to noon the next day. Um, and that works for me. And in the beginning, you can ask my wife, I was very irritable. I was very uh, not kind and patient, and it, it was difficult. But now that time has gone by, I, am, I have more energy than I ever thought possible between eight and noon. It, it, it is wild how much energy, and, and I feel when I have played golf at 6 a.m., I have played basketball, I've gone for runs, I've worked out in the morning all without food, and I feel fantastic. And when I feel hungry, it's another opportunity. Every time you feel hungry, you get to go, God, I'm hungry, I'm thinking about you, I love you. God, I'm thinking about you, I love you. God, I can fill, thank you God that I could solve this hunger in my belly right now at any second by going to the pantry. God, please be with those people that can't satisfy that hunger. God, please be with those people who are starving and can't do it. But we are promised with each of these disciplines, prayer, meditation, study, fasting, that they will get us closer to God and ultimately that source of rest, that that is the true source of rest. And again, those are four big things and that's a lot. Pick one of them. Pick one and do it a little bit. Go for it and try and do all four, I don't know. But there's something about these ways that we get to close to God is just waiting to give us rest. He's just holding the concept of rest in his hand. We just gotta come to him. We just gotta approach him. 2023 is gonna be a big year for all of us. I'm sure there'll be big things that happen. I would encourage you, no matter what happens in your day, no matter what happens in your life, no matter what's happening, Try to find time to be with God. It will give you rest, and it might not give you rest at first. It might be hard at first to read, to pray. But we are promised by God himself that he will rebuild, he will restore, he'll be there for us. Open, we can be honest, true to ourselves, and just talk to God. My hope is that as a church family, as a body, as a community, here online, to encourage each other Point each other to Christ, point each other to God. When we're tired, we're exhausted, we're there for each other. Maybe you're the proxy for God in a situation to someone. But I would encourage us. A lot of stuff going on. It's good to get in shape. It's good to work harder at your job. It's good to try to be more patient. These are all good things. But I think if we made a priority to spend some time with God, it'd make a profound impact on our lives.
I would love to uh, practice that quickly right now um, with communion. Um, and so if you have not grabbed the elements, please feel free. Um, they're in the back. Um, but what I'm just going to do is I'm just going to um, open us up to some silence um, and do with that silence what you want. Talk with God, sit and listen to God, whatever that may be. But I just, I'm just going to give us some time to just sit, think about this new year, think about what we might want it to look like and just be present with God. Be present with God as a community as we all are doing it together. And then after um, some time in silence, probably for most of us an awkward amount of silence, um, I, will, I, will, I will pray us out and I will pray for the elements and then we can partake and then we can close in some um, amazing worship together as a family. So if you would, please with me join in some quiet prayer, meditation, silence. Heavenly Father, we want to give these precious moments to you. God, I cannot be more grateful that we live on this side of the cross. We get to look back to the sacrifice, not just forward. That in prior times, God, there had to be a high priest. There had to be something special in order to interact with your presence. But Jesus, by his sacrifice, tore the veil, and we get to interact with you whenever we want. God, I pray that you put it on our hearts, on our souls, just a little bit of curiosity a little bit of interest, a little bit of faith to just go to you. God, you love us so desperately and you want us to be near you. Help us in whatever way that may be, whatever way that may look in our lives, help us to draw closer to you. God, we are so thankful for the sacrifice that your son Jesus made. God, I don't even want to think where we'd be without it. Thank you, Jesus, for everything you've done, everything you continue to do. We want to praise you in this place, God. We want to lift you up. In your heavenly name, amen.